Hello, hello, KTUH. I am delighted to have this conversation with an MFA student in the theater department, Robert, Robert Torgoi. And he is here with me now virtually, but we're talking about some stuff that's real confrontational. And I think we need to talk about things, especially from a multicultural lens. What is the role of theater? Um, and especially in the climate of today's anti-racist tensions, Afro-Asian tensions, I, I was drawn to uh, Robert's work because I saw a little bit of his thing that I hope he's gonna share with us later. But you know, there's just so much to unpack in the creation of pieces and material that embody um, ideas that, that really draw us to the roots of how this country works. And it comes down to, you know, this white world we live in and what multiculturalism means in this white world. And we're going to unpack that today through theater. So welcome, welcome, Robert, to KTUH. Thank you so much, Krista. So it's very good to be here. Thank and you. Have this conversation, important conversation. It is, right? I mean, I, okay, so I don't want to either highlight or dismiss this AAPI month that I've been trying to celebrate and increase voices and raise awareness of the significance of AAPI heritage. But at the same time, you know, does this reinforce our outsideness that we that we are always placed in as Asian Americans? Maybe you can speak to that a little bit before we kind of unpack your work. Yeah. Um... You know, we see it, we've seen it since the pandemic, since the, the rise in violence against the community, our, our community. And, um, you know, just seeing that coverage kind of growing in the media, you know, and, and it's actually due to a lot of uh, AAPI voices really um, coming out and, and uh, making them, themselves known there. And, you know what's happening in this country and then it's kind of like but the underlying thing uh that has always been there right that where the other the 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 model minority where the uh where the hidden uh, minorities that don't make noise that don't speak up for themselves and so this is kind of like underlying that whole thing uh in this country and and it's out in the open so is this month just an extension of, to me, it's just an extension and let's keep that conversation going. You know, it's definitely been happening before this month, you know, so um, yeah, so it, that's a good point to make. Why is it just this, you know? Yeah, well, they criticized, you know, Black History Month for the same reason and yeah. why we need to kind of have these months to represent our little space of, of attention and, and then it gets disappeared into the mainstream again for the rest of the years. And we have this yeah. one month to celebrate or try to get that window to speak when people are relatively open to listening to it because it's temporary, you know? Yeah. Are we working to, I mean, is the, the, we're working towards that not being the case, right? That that's just, we're part of the fabric of this country, yeah. right? And right. that it's not, we're now focusing on this, you know, yes, are we celebrating heritage and celebrating our, our, you know, our cultures and that's beautiful, but not the history should be part of the history of this country, you know, it's, exactly. it's ingrained in it, right? So, right. yeah. And that's why we want to, uh, today, I'd like to focus on the idea of multicultural theater and what that means. But before we do that, can you just give a little bit of your background, who you are, where you come from? 
Uh, yeah, sure. So I am born and raised on Oahu. Um, Boy. And uh, <laughs> so I'm a local, kind of a local kid. I was in New York. So I moved to New York in 2000. Uh, I was, I, to do the actor thing, you know, I, I didn't um, go with the theater degree and everything. I just went there to make a career in acting in, in the theater. And I was there for 20 years. Until wow. I, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> 20 years. And so this. Why um, do you not come across as a New Yorker, though? Is it because you're so uh, local that you uh, couldn't uh, take uh, that uh, out of you? I guess I couldn't get it out of me. <laughs> hey, but I've been here almost since last August. So maybe it's coming back. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I did definitely keep some of that uh, local style uh, in New York. Um, uh, you know, and I had this great opportunity to be a grad assistant at the theater department at UH Manoa. So now I'm back. Um, the timing is great. I did not plan it. I did not know a pandemic was coming, you know, um, but this, it's so beautiful to be here right now um, in, in the midst of everything going on in our country. Um, and yeah, so I'm here. I'm I am a full-time student. Um, I also uh, work with Lincoln Center. So I work with Lincoln Center's education department. Just thought I would mention that, do a plug yeah. for them. But there, um, I just love the team there. So I was lucky enough when I came here to keep working remotely. So I do some work for them. It's part-time, you know, but I really enjoy um, having that connection to New York. So I still kind of have that, you know, yeah. being in the know a little bit with what's going on there. So yeah, I'm really happy to be here. So. so do you think that being in New York for 20 years and plus um, have contributed to your, I mean, obviously it must have, you know, to your multicultural perspective on, on so many things and how it shapes not just your identity, but how you want to um, create your work? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, what I had to learn, it took a lot of time, though, to learn it was, you know, a, a lot of the work that I have to do, I have to create it for myself, or I have to, I have to actually seek out people who are making that kind of work. I can't just kind of sit there and wait for these posts to come up that are, you know, oh, that fits me, and I'm going to go do that, go audition for that, you know, that's part of the work. That's a, a very much an actor's work. You go audition, you you look for the the posts, uh, the casting posts, and you you go to whatever you think you'll be right for, right? Uh, but over so many years, you're like, okay, well, now it's for the work to be something you're that fulfills you, that you're excited about. Maybe either you've got to create it, or you've got to kind of align yourself with people who do the kind of work that you want to do, and. So it took me a long time to, to do that and st to start looking at more of the, you know, maybe smaller theater companies in New York City and some of doing really interesting uh, theater and, and working with very multiracial, multicultural casts and stories, more, maybe more importantly, the stories that they're telling that include voices that you're not always hearing from, right, on yeah. the main stages, so the bigger stages, I should say. Uh, but you had to look for it, like you said. It doesn't come to you. I didn't have to look for it. I mean, yes, there are casting notices, but you also have to be kind of aware of, you know, I'm, I'm keeping tabs on Ma Yi Theater Company in New York. When's their next audition? Or uh, what is, uh, you know, one of the directors I've worked with? Are you working? What are you working on? You know, anything going on? Can I be a part of it? You know, so it changes. Can you give an example, sorry, of the types yeah. of roles you've played? Because, or, you know, as an Asian male, are there fewer roles than, you know, there's a lot of 
visibility of or kind of criticisms, critiques on the women being, you know, hypersexualized or orientalized in a way for their roles. But nobody says much about the Asian male roles. So can you speak to yeah. that a little bit? Sure, sure. I think I what we might for me, you know, probably for a lot of Asian males, Asian American males, um, it's always finding that kind of where's our hero, where's our, where's our, um, what is the word? I mean, so we talk about being emasculated, right? For yes. Asian males, a, a right. lot of the time, it's like, de is it? I don't know if that's the right word, desexualized. You know, is it almost like you're not sexual, you're not sexy, you're not right. You're just kind of there. You're you're this uh, body standing on the stage, you know. So it's changing. I think some of that, but for me, it was always like I just want to see males in these meaty roles that where you see this character just go through this transformation on stage, and that's what I cared about. You know, I was like, where are these roles? Where are these men and that I know are there and exist? You know, and these amazing actors that I've. Uh, either witnessed or worked with. And so, you know, it's that kind of thing for me. And, and now I think we're seeing it in media, more in film and TV, where they're kind of like trying to create some pathways for the Asian male superhero, or, you know, we're starting to see some of that coming up. We're looking forward to, um, yeah, so things like that. Um, did you have any pushback from your family as being, you know, the typical Asian parents saying, what, you're going to theater? <laughs> you well, you know what I had at, originally, I kept asking for dance classes. So I was like, can I take dance? And, and I was like, nope, you can go to karate. So I oh, went to karate. <laughs> but that was fine with me. I was like, I loved karate too. But, but, you know, so, but I always kind of, you know, that inside of you, you're like, oh, I wish I could have done that, you know? Um, so the first time I took dance was at UH. It was like already in my undergrad. So I was pretty an older person to be starting to dance, you know. Yeah. So, so um, but it, part of my career was dance. So oh. it was enough, you know. <laughs> it was yeah. enough to kind of get me started uh, when I moved to New York. Um, so, what am I trying to say? <laughs> I guess they they were supportive, but there were moments where. Um, you know, like, for example, that moment, right, not supporting, I really wanted to dance, you know, not really believing in that. And, but, you know, coming to my productions, they never said, you know, don't, you don't do it, just don't do it. They just yeah. said, maybe said, oh, think about what other things you need to do to make sure you're going right. to make money or survive. Right. It's practical, like right? They just want to yeah. make sure you are ahead. But it's funny that you mentioned dance because I have an opposite story. So when I was living in Hong Kong after college, under after undergrad, you know, I was I was thrown into the movie industry. And I, I had a friend, um, Asian American boy who was living there at the time who also wanted to enter that space. And so I got I introduced him to this producer at Golden Harvest, which is a big film studio at the time. And I'll never forget because, you know, I, gave, I got him in to talk to this producer for a chance because this was when and it was still part of the golden era of films where they were churning out a lot of productions and there was a high possibility of them wanting new new faces out there and he was mm -hmm. kind of cute you know um uh so the producer asked him uh do you can you do kung fu right and that of course because during that time it was still a genre and you needed to know how to do martial arts in order to secure certain roles you have to have that skill it's like on broadway you have to know how to dance and sing right so do you do kung fu and he said no but i can dance 
Mm. And now in the States, it'd be like, that's very respectable. That's sweet. You carried out your thing. But over there, I could feel the producer laughing from the other room because it's belittled. It's like, what? Mm. You're an Asian male and you're talking about you want to dance? You know, Mm -hmm. there are these kind of expectations on the cultural level, which I want to kind of bring into this multicultural context, because I think one of the uh, complexities of being Asian American is that baggage of the cultural certain expectations of gender roles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, under mm-hmm. a very patriarchal structure and then yes. coming here and being encouraged or at least feeling like you can deserve the space to do what you wanna do and follow your dreams. So it's very conflicting. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you have to say yeah. to that because I just feel yeah. like it's hard. I, you know, I had, I guess I can't totally relate, right? Because I was born and raised in, in the US so I don't have that struggle necessarily or my family just wasn't I mean I have my mother's Puerto Rican was Puerto Rican so you know I have maybe I had a kind of all kinds of structures in my family going on but but I you know so maybe it wasn't as strict in that sense you know um, where it's like you do not dance it was just we're not going to really support you to dance but you know I once I started dancing it wasn't an issue you know um, I, I think um you know, I had a roommate, um, actually a few roommates, um, but she was from Japan and a good friend, actually, she's still a good friend. I shouldn't say roommate, friend. Uh, and she, you know, I saw her, she gave me a perspective of like how they look at theater in Japan, what she's doing. If she were to go to Japan and say, oh yes, I am an actor, I am a dancer. They would say, oh, where, which company in Japan? It has to be one of those huge mm. companies and you have to be pretty much on screen. And, you know, and I say, oh, then you're not really, an actor you're not really a dancer that kind of perspective which may be different now but um so here in the U.S. she can say it proudly and be yes. yeah this is in New York especially right so yeah so that's definitely was uh, uh kind of uh, educational for me I was like okay so this is a different yeah totally different perspective for you right so, right, right and to kind of bring that context in to the roles you either play or create for people or to explore. So um, what I wanted to get into was this really interesting kind of um, short film, I guess you would say, that you created on behalf of this one class. Uh, But what I would like to do is let's take a quick break. We'll come back and I'd like you to share a little bit of this clip. You created this film um, under a multicultural directing class. Is that right? And, yes. and it's really interesting and it impacts a lot of things that we're talking about. You know, you address Afro-Asian tensions, you address multiculturalism um, in a space that's local that we can resonate with. And you're also weaving in uh, documentary form with theater through a virtual space. So there's a lot of stuff to talk about. So let's take a quick break. We're talking to Robert Torgoy here. So we're gonna come back and continue the talk on multicultural theater. All right, continuing our conversation here with Robert Torgoi, who is an MFA student and a grad assistant at the UH uh, Theater Department. We're talking about multicultural theater and, you know, serving as a platform to unpack a lot of tensions that are playing out today. I feel like, Robert, your recent uh, project in this multicultural directing class is really relevant to these Afro-Asian tensions today. Uh, Can we speak a little bit about this project, maybe your process and why you chose the storyline that you did and how you wove it together? Yeah, sure. So 
you know, the, the point of this class was to really address anti-racism and to yeah, devise theater. So that we have two goals, right? And, and um, I had already had this script that I had worked on before. And, and it was based on my own observations, living in the Bronx for almost, I think it was about nine years I had been there, um, seeing customer and worker relation in Chinese takeout restaurants. And you'd see, you know, black and brown customers with Chinese or other uh, Asian background uh, workers. And that interaction would be so um, interesting. It would be sometimes not good, sometimes wonderful, some, you know, just as any place would be, but having these kind of meeting of different cultural experiences, right, in this, in this space, um, there's always kind of like a possibility of, of uh, attention, I guess, sometimes, yeah. and, and a misunderstanding. So I would see some of that, and it kind of inspired this story. So I wrote this story, it's about May and Darrell, and so Darrell is a customer in, in the restaurant, and May is actually, in this case, uh, played by uh, a Filipina actress, so um, Christine Jamlig uh, Chang, who actually changed the script a bit. So bringing her background into it, we decided to change it originally as a, it was a Chinese character, right? To change it to be this Filip Filipino character that now uh, works in this Chinese restaurant. So, which can happen, like it, in New York, there's definitely, you know, Chinese, uh, Mexican restaurants run by Chinese or yeah. Japanese restaurants run by, you know, uh, Thai people. So yeah. it doesn't, you don't know, you know, so there's definitely yeah. that. So I thought, let's, let's use your background. Let's work with you. So part of this project is not only the story, right? It's also bringing this, these characters, um, these actors and their experience into this piece because we're devising, we're creating together. Julian brings in his own story, his, one of his incidents that happened to him when he was in college and he was, you know, uh, arrested for a, a frat party, you know, and they arrest him, you know, so yeah, that kind of situation. And so we put their stories and kind of plug them in into this uh, scripted play. And so, my goal with it was to um, uh, really look at the identity of the actors and then also the characters. So how do those intertwine? And then this piece, of course, so we're talking about Asian, Black, right? Or, and he's a Black, Lat Black Latino, Black, mm. Black Latinx. So we're, we're mixing the cultures. We're, we're talking about the tensions in, in society. Um, relations in society, how we have all these preconceived notions and biases about each other. So there's moments where I can touch on that. It's not, it's also somewhat comedic. You know, I try to make it an, a piece that I wanted to write and uh, a play that I, I enjoy as well, but it's very um, serious as well and um, speaks to the struggles that we have. Yeah, um, for sure. And, um, so. so this little part that you're going to share with us now, uh, what leads up to this uh, particular point? So Darrell and, and May have been, you know, their relationship has kind of gotten stronger. Uh, they're more than just customer and- They're friends, right? From school? They're friends. They're okay. friends. They're, yes. And they know each other from school. Um, so now at this point, um, 
May's been giving the cold shoulder to Darrell. And there's no romantic they, interest between the two, right? They're just there's friends. no no okay. romantic interest. Just she has kind of um, she's very cold, and then says something racial that is very offensive, and Darrell confronts her about it, and then we realize why she's she's in this state at the moment. Okay. Why she's having this. Um, why she's kind of reacting to him this way at the moment. Okay, so let's play this little clip from your film. My father, a man almost beat him to death, a black man. I know Asians are getting hurt, but I never thought my dad, the cops said it was because he didn't move out of the way, the other guy was walking in front of him, so he beat him hard. They they said he yelled, uh, you rude Chinaman, old chink. Eh, I don't want to lose him. <laughs> He's the one who keeps things together for the family, for me. But right now, it's just me, the old me. Now, because I was one of three Asian kids, every possible tired and racist ass Asian joke or microaggression and slur had, had been thrown at me, all of them. It felt as if people had been saving them up until an Asian came along that they could disrespect and dehumanize for their own amusement. And that's where the thick skin comes in. So I, I was at the end of every racist thing that they learned from their father and their grandfather or their ancestors, I mean, how do I survive that, right? I I remember I used to eat lunch in the bathroom or in the library and just hide there crying almost every day for that first month or so, just shocked that this was my reality now. Eventually I got along fine. I made, I, I made friends. I spoke up when I could, but mostly I just survived. After graduating, a friend revealed to me that, um, there was a group of guys, <laughs> she said, um, you know, all those guys, um, they all had crushes on you. They even nicknamed you amazing Asian. Wow. You mean those guys that pointed out to me every possible chance that they got, how I was different from them? Was I supposed to be flattered? Great. <laughs> Forget the racism and objectification. They thought I was hot. So I should be grateful and take that as a compliment, right? I mean, even in the small moments that I felt I had a voice and stood up for myself, I, I didn't feel strong in those moments, just fed up. Because honestly, I rarely feel comfortable speaking about my experience with racism so openly with white kids. How many times can I hear, oh, she's just using the race card unsarcastically? So, yeah, I developed a thick skin. May, I... I, I I'm so angry because I'm scared, you know, of, of black men right now. I know that's wrong to say, but, you know, I've always had to fight for my identity here. I feel you. Your dad is... Your dad is the real deal. Everybody knows him in the neighborhood as the number one Chinese guy. 
You mean he's the number one Filipino guy who runs the number one Chinese restaurant? My bad. Wow. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there, Robert. I mean, first of all, that that monologue that Christine was it? Her name's Christine, right? The actress. Yeah, that was not scripted, right? Uh, so it was her story. Um, they did write out the story. Oh, okay. So both of them wrote out their story, but it wasn't them reading from the story, right? So they're retelling their story again. Right, because so they digested was, it, yeah. That was all Christine. That story was all Christine. And um, so that was really part of the power of the piece, I think, you know, and so it took that, what was, I think, a decent little play that I had written, you know, like a fun yes. little, not fun, but, you know, had some serious issues and, and it was pretty good, but now adding this element, it just put so much more weight into the the the, the struggles, you know, and some of the the underlying um, themes and uh, systemic problems of this country. Exactly. Right? So, so we're, you know, that really added the weight, and it was just like, wow, that's the kind of theater I want to do. And so, this is really actually helping me as a as a theater creator and. And to go, okay, so how can I do this in my work outside as I continue outside of school and I keep going? And how can I really incorporate the actor's identity into the, the piece itself? Right. So whoever I'm working with, right? And, and, and even as the actor, right? Because I'm thinking when she's doing this monologue, she's voicing her own story, but at the same time, she's um, projecting, she's still performing, right? At the yeah. same time. Yes. Yes, that's so very true. It's really interesting because then how does her story want to be told? Well, how does she want to frame her story is also a very kind of vital part of the, the framing of her story. And for me as an Asian American female listening to her story, I also have a deep extra connection to her story. You know, I want to hear what she's saying because I think it's going to make me think back. All right. Were there moments when I was in grade school, when I was treated a certain way or sexualized in a way that I didn't realize at the time was kind of a racist type of attitude. And then all of a sudden, in light of all this anti-Asian movement now is it's it's emerging everywhere. Everybody has a story to tell that they recognize is connected to this whole structural problem. And how do we use theater as that platform to allow us to, uh, it's almost uh, not necessarily, maybe it could be therapeutic for some, but it's like there's something deeply connective that, that's making us question this bigger problem, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's big. Just, just voicing it, you know, I mean, I feel like that was a lot of the problem is we're not, we're not allowed to speak up. We're Asian. You, you're, you're, you're the quiet people. You're the, you're the ones that you know, you, you're good, you're the model minority, you're gonna be successful if you just stay in line, right, with with our, what we tell you, you can do. Yeah. So it's kind of like breaking, we're definitely breaking this cycle in little ways right now, you know, and... Um, so is it a conscious effort for you to shift the lens, would you say, you know, from a very multicultural perspective to address and, and, and look at whiteness, how would you say that changes the dynamics of how we address race racism? Yeah, I, I guess, so for this specific piece, and actually, I don't know if I can speak to your piece too as well, yeah. um, but for Unruly Chinese Woman, 
um, you know, that was inspirational for me as well, because it reminded me of this piece, because I was like, wait a minute, yeah, our relations, you know, among non-white people, about BIPOC people, how are we relating? How are we um, um, not falling for this trap? You know, this, this, uh, what we're being told, you know, they're better, they're doing better, you're not, you're not doing your part, you're doing, you know, so we're fighting against each other um, and not recognizing what about all the communities and the Asian communities that are really struggling and really poor and really not educated and really, you know, so how about all of those layers and then really having those conversations, but that's a whole nother thing, but, but uh, yeah, so then thinking about, okay, if we take the, the, of course, there's always the white factor in, yes. in it all. Well, but to just look at our relationships and say, how, how are we doing? How are we just, I'm seeing, you know, New York City, we're seeing black men beat up Asian people, right? And hurt Asian people, kill, you know, this does not speak for a race of people. And, and so people are trying to make a, a point of see, these are not, Trump supporters, these are not, these are people in the city who are black, you see? I'm like, no, it's not about that. This is something happening in our country that is based on so many layers and, and of, of racism and, and that has been part of this, again, part of our fabric, part of um, what we've grown up with. And, and so, now it's like just saying, calling it out for what it is and not again, now pitting us against each other and saying, see, see, it's you, it's you minorities, it's you and you all again against each other. You know, it's that kind of thing again. I'm like, no, no, it's not that, you know, these are individuals who are, have played into those thoughts and those, um, yeah. to racism, to and, racism. And that's why in the clip that you played, um, I really appreciated how you, you know, after she tells about her personal story and you, or before that, you set it up that the character, her father, was it her father that was beaten up? Yes. Yes. So there's something that's addressing a very, very current issue that we're doing on anti-Asian violence. And then you you, you, you go over to her personal story and then you come back and then you get like the reaction of Darnell. Is that his name? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Darrell. Yeah. Darrell. And, and so you have these both perspectives in opening up a way, a new way of looking into something and, and breaking down those preconceptions that we, that you're talking about, that we often build our inside narratives based on. Right. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> You know, like it's that again, like going back to what did we learn and what were we growing up with and being hearing, right? And we're hearing about, you know, we're seeing things on TV. We're only seeing violence among black on black violence. We're only seeing, you know, uh, poverty and that it's all in these black communities. And I'm like, you're not so showing us the whole picture. And that's what I grew up with. So I, you had, I had to deprogram my mind, right? And go, that's BS. That is what I was fed. That is what I'm being told. And it's like, this is, there's so many layers to this country. And what about no one showing those communities, those Asian communities that are struggling because we're, we're doing perfect. We're, we're, we're get A's and we, we make money, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know. That's just the perception, you know? So it's like, wait a minute, what about those communities? And I guess Hawaii is a little more, nuanced in that that we have such a, a diverse community and 
we're looking at different Asian communities that struggle and, you know, and are in But racism exists here too. And but you, it exists here. Right? Yeah. You don't, don't get it micro. Yeah. yeah. In fact, you know, my, um, the recent chair of the Women's Studies Department, she's like, she's Indonesian. Um, and she was telling us that she was surfing, paddle boarding, I think the other day, and some white lady in the water made some racist comments to her and she never thought in her life she would experience that here in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So it's real. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're fortunate here to be in a place where relatively speaking, we don't have those violences that we have to like fear for our parents stepping out of the house just because they're Asian, right? It's just a crazy reality now, but at the same time, we have to address what's going on now, these movements and why these increasing tensions are playing out and how we as individuals have the power to maybe make change. And so my last question to you is, how do you think, what is the role of theater in, in this, in shifting these narratives and the space to promote multicultural theater and the impact it should have on all of us? What do you think? So what I would be really excited about is just having a BIPOC team of artists working together to create these pieces. I mean, I had a little taste of it with this project and it was just such a beautiful experience that I was more than what I was expecting. And, you know, just myself me, working with companies that I've worked with black directors and, and companies that were majority black or Latinx. And, and so, it's a different feeling to know you're creating this piece together and, and with this community. And so I'm all about, can we just create more work first of all? But of course, the important thing is what stories are we, are we telling? Um, whose perspective is it? You know, are, are, are we giving opportunities to, for, to be seen on stage, for these actors to be seen on stage? And um, yeah, so I think it's really, there's so much opportunity, right? Because we can explore those questions and those tensions. And we don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers in my piece. It's just presenting the questions and the tensions and then saying, well, let's make, let's have the discussion. Let's have that um, some kind of top, some dialogue, right? Some dialogue on this topic and not just stay in our siloed communities and you know talk about each other you know and uh, make yeah. make assumptions about each other so yeah I, I think there's so much I think thinking about you know as theater is becoming more um, interactive and you know there's a lot of opportunities for that kind of thing so I I'm hopeful for those I think coming out of this pandemic we're gonna have that kind of work I really hope so and you know, if not, I'm I'm asking theater artists to do that kind of work, and I hope so. And I hope my work reflects that kind of thought as well. So. Yeah, I good good luck on that. Can we also just before we leave quickly, because you did mention off air that um, you know the fact that Broadway is coming back. Um, what are these new spaces, and what kind of shifts should we be expecting? And what are what's the place of, of introducing this multicultural space into that mainstream Broadway world? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, Broadway is the commercial ep uh, epitome of the theater. It's the, yeah, Hollywood, the, right? Yeah. So it is going to represent um, the typical models that we're used to, the white male I, um, perspective that we're so steeped in. And, and I think 
I'm hoping <laughs> that even at that level, that it's starting to show more, more voices, more directors of color, people of color, and writers of color having their works produced. Um, you know, most of I was saying when we were talking off camera that a lot. You know, I was looking at this the the shows that are coming back are a lot of the same shows that we had previously that are, you know, they're probably like, we got to make our money back. We've, everything's ready yeah. to go. Let's do, put right. these shows back. So majority I would say are all those shows coming back, but there are exceptions. You know, there's, um, I was talking about Passover, which is um, uh, a play that was off Broadway, right? And it's, and it speaks to police um, brutality. Mm. And um, so you have a p pieces like that, that, you know, um, there's a piece um, coming to Lincoln Center, Flying Over Sunset, and uh, you have uh, other, uh, let's see, what else is coming? I think, but then when you think about the majority, you're going to have that, you know, Wicked, you're going to have Lion right. King, you're going to have the, the big yeah. mega musicals, you know, and stuff like that, which is a place where Broadway does that, right? We do the big productions but yeah. I'm hoping that we come back and really think about what kind of pieces do we want to show on Broadway and, and off-Broadway um, you know we can rely a little bit more on the off-Broadway companies to do some of those works that are more multicultural and and multiracial but not necessarily you know but um, but that's a space where it could happen and um, I don't know if I had spoke, spoken to you about, there was, sorry, I, I don't want to go over time, but before the pandemic, there was a lot of Asian American artists work starting to be produced. And so there were um, writers like Lauren Yee, um, Haruna Lee's play, which I, I Suicide Forest. And, um, you know, so there were all these plays coming up. Um, Cambodian rock band was really popular as we being oh. done around the country. So that was happening, you know, there was something happening, but it kind of got cut short. So is that going to continue to happen? Or was that just a kind of like, let's, let's be good and show, show that we right. have some Asian works and then we're going to go back to exactly. our Exactly, they check that box, right? Right, yeah. so, um, so I'm hoping that we continue that work and- um, Sure. You know, and not yeah. have small spaces, like not assume that these kind of multicultural spaces have to be a smaller space. Who right. said that, right? right? You know, and, and it took so long for Oscar So White to kind of, slowly recognize and but that's you know there was a lot of pushback for them to be able to have to have that pressure to do that and I think that the theater world also needs a lot of noise to to recognize and shout out and show all the problematics of the structure in order for it to make change and so we need noise and I think we need platforms and pieces like yours uh, my work in progress things that uh, disrupt that dominant narrative need to continue and we need to encourage uh, more people to create pieces and have the, the the confidence to you know hold on to that space right and i think there's yes. no better time than now uh yeah it's, it's so important now i you know yeah. you've got to hold keep this momentum and yeah the the conversations we're having are so important and hopefully reshape this country and yeah. our communities for yeah. better Absolutely. That's, it's, uh, it's, it's promising. It's moving in the right direction. Let's hope and let's hope that we embrace people of all work, walks of life, all ethnic backgrounds so that we can all come together and find resonating, you know, experiences, which we do. Right. So that's great. Um, good luck with your work. Uh, share more when you have more. And it was great talking to you, Robert. Thank you so much, Crystal. Thank that's you. Robert. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.